Welcome Mandalorian Fakers to the Mando Roundup, brought to you by FakingStarWars.net. It's time to kick back at the saloon with a dust stick or two and enjoy this week's recap of the Mandalorian. Ah, bounty hunting is the life, wouldn't you agree? Well, hello there, Faker Nation. This is the Mando Roundup brought to you by FakingStarWars.net. This is uh, Storm Duper, and my co-host Gemma the Hut is here, and we're going to round up the Mando. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, you've already seen it because this is going to be a spoiler-filled episode, as always. Um, if you have not yet, please log on to Patreon.com and support us at Faking Star Wars. That's Patreon.com/FakingStarWars. Um, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. Have you gotten on there, Gemma the Hut, and given us some money? I don't give people money. I see. Well, uh, you will get a shout-out on our regular podcast, Faking Star Wars Radio, if you do decide to support us. Please like us, follow us, subscribe on um, Podchaser or uh, Stitcher or any of your podcast platforms of choice. We do like to read um, terrible reviews out especially, so if you write us an awful, awful review, I promise we will read it on the next episode of the podcast. Um, Again, this is sort of our sister podcast we're doing, uh, just our second episode. So we, we have a regular uh, featured uh, podcast, Faking Star Wars Radio. We're actually getting into episode seven of an eight-part series called The Twilight Zone, where myself and my co-host go back in time. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and take a look at that. Also, the holidays are coming. You can get on to our t-shirt site. That's fswmerch, bit.ly slash fswmerch. Uh, bit.ly slash fswmerch and order some t-shirts for the holidays we have some hilarious designs up there you can also get my face on a coffee mug who else better to have on your morning coffee mug Gemma? my face might be better on a coffee mug well if you do a good job hosting this episode you may get your face on a coffee mug (laughs) but up until now you don't even have a twitter account so nobody can follow you I am at stormduper go ahead and follow me you can also follow at FSW Radio or at Faking Star Wars and send us your questions or concerns about The Mandalorian. Uh, We'll be sure to read them out. Uh, You know, we have to talk about last episode where we reviewed both episodes, uh, chapter one and two of The Mandalorian. Um, Now, Gemma, we had a little argument before we recorded here about who was more accurate in their speculations about what was going to happen in this episode. I was wrong, and you're not going to hear me admit that very often, so... I was wrong. You were wrong. I was wrong in my speculation. So remind our fans what you thought was going to happen in episode three. I did not think the Mandalorian was going to hand over um, Baby Yoda to, uh, you know, the creepy creeps who wanted him. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. I expected a little bit better out of him. And of course, he comes back and hands Baby Yoda over right away. I actually thought we were going to see more of Werner Herzog right away, which we did. Um, So I win round one. Um, But we're going to be playing this game every episode, so stay tuned to the end where both Gemma and myself have 20 seconds to make our predictions for Chapter 4. I hope this is the last time I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, probably. You're pretty good at predicting plots, so, you know, I I would say that you have a very good chance. So, uh, speaking of plots, you want to hear the plot of Episode 3? Absolutely. Give us your hot take, Gemma. Watching this episode one and a half times, um, I fell asleep the first time that I watched it, and that was not because it was boring. It was because it was late. Um, So, 
my take is that the Mandalorian immediately turns uh, Baby Yoda over to creepy Werner Herzog so they can do weird experiments on it. And then he's going to, you know, fly away and forget about the whole thing. And then he gets like a twinge of conscience and he goes back for Baby Yoda. And then all of his little helmeted buddies come in and um, help him rescue Baby Yoda and they save the day. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Uh, did you think that they were getting a pee sample from Baby Yoda? When, <laughs> I think they were doing something way weirder. The little makeshift hospital there. <laughs> Doctor whatever his name is, I can't remember. And Werner Herzog have something nefarious up their sleeve for really sure. Really creepy. Let's talk about this armorist character uh, who's sort of lurking in that little cave. Um, we don't know her name really, but I, people have been calling her the armorist, I guess. She, I, that's not, I, I was not calling her that. I was calling her Lady Mandalorian. Lady Lorian? <laughs> <laughs> she has some cool bumps on her helmet, like helmet warts. Well, yeah, and on her <laughs> chest, which is the only way you can tell she's a lady. My lovely lady loves Love. I hope I hope she didn't get those uh, those uh, helmet warts from you know oh. being unsafe with another Mandalorian. Although they don't take their helmets off apparently, yeah. so it sounds like they're protected. Oh. So yeah, that'll be interesting. It's like is she uh, is she an old lady? Is she a young lady? Um, I'm assuming she's an attractive lady because this is a TV show. She may be trans. You never know. <laughs> be a little bit shocking for Disney Plus. Yeah. I thought she's a really positive character, though, and she seems to have some magical spiritual significance. Like, she's able to conjure these memories up in him when she's forging his armor. There seems to be a connection between the armor that she forges and his memory. I did not get that at all. I think it's like a very classic, like, PTSD kind of thing. Loud noises, lots of, you know, um, flashing lights. I, I did not did not think that that was the case. I guess I was just assuming there was some spiritual significance since they said that, like, for a Mandalorian, their armor and weaponry is part of their religion. So, like, when whenever he gets a new piece of armor, it's sort of like he's leveling up, like, in a video game, and he gets some kind of vision of his past or new perspective uh, on his life somehow. I don't think she's magic. Okay. So she's just she's just a blacksmith, basically. Uh, maybe a potential romantic interest, right? Because this is TV. Ooh, that, I hadn't considered that, that we could see some, we could see them get together. So what? Uh, you know, what? what is this code that they keep talking about being broken? Um, Mr. Mandalorian. <laughs> we call him Mr. Mandalorian. Senor Mandalorian. Uh, it's Pedro Pascal. Senor, uh, Senor Mandalorian, ¿por qué quieres romper la co- el código? Uh, like, why, why does he keep uh, breaking the code? What is the code that he's breaking? Um, you know, what is the way that the Mandalorians keep I talking about? I thought the way was, like, to stick to the rules, right? Like, bring back your bounty and, like, get paid and just move on with your life. And then um, that's what I assume the rules were. And then that all seems to fall apart uh, this episode. It seems to me like there's sort of two sets of rules. There's... There's the Mandalorians who have sort of their own little cult going on and they have their own way of doing things, but it seems like they're sort of taking advantage of the bounty hunters guild to get some money so that they can like, you know, build up their armor and and look badass in their little covert So cave. like the the cult comes first. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's sort of like um, you know, uh 
I'm trying to think of it a good analogy for like a modern day religious group without offending the entire internet <laughs> and I'm failing miserably. Um, but it would be like if you had like, have you ever seen that documentary about that religious group in Congress who like worked together and lived in a house and like then they just pooled all their money and spent it on, you know, their own their own stuff. In any case, I, I didn't feel like the code was really that well defined uh, except for the fact that they're supposed to forget about it. So it's almost like like a priest in that way, like a bounty hunter is supposed to like forget and be sort of unattached, un, un uh, you know, kind of like not biased against any of his bounties. I suppose there's some like Buddhist element of detachment. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What must I do, Master Yoda? Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. No, I, I don't mean Buddhist religious. I mean, like, he's supposed to forget about it so that he treats everyone the same. What I'm saying is, like, by being detached, like, the bounty hunter doesn't care who his bounty is or who it's for or what happens to the bounty after the fact. He just forgets about it. Yeah. Yeah, he just doesn't care. Yeah. He's not going to get his feelings hurt if he doesn't care. Right. So, so that's part of the code, obviously. So what is the way that they talk about? I think we're going to hear more about that later. I think maybe, you know, the one thing the show has done that's been actually really cool is that it doesn't divulge all the things we'd like to know right away. It's sort of like an onion. It's yes. coming across in peels. Yes, it's a big stinky onion. Yes. Disney has laid an onion on us yeah. for this show. Uh, I think good for them. Good for them to have the, the courage to make people be patient in their viewing and actually um, have a story to tell. Well, it also makes it easier to spoil for other poor fans. Like I, I was talking to a British person online who's yet to see The Mandalorian, and he is extremely irate that he has to wait till like March or whatever, oh. and he already knows everything about Baby Yoda and Werner Herzog and all this stuff. He should have just stayed off the internet till March. Yes. Well, again, it's kind of like um, the only safe social media is no social media in that sense, and. Uh, but why did Disney set it up that way? Like, why did they privilege American fans over the rest of the world so much? Money. So it seems like the Mandalorians uh, really want to um, survive. Like, that's their main their main uh, modus operandi as they're a collect a collective. So they're sort of a hive mind. Do you think? Well, speaking of collectives, they have a collective noun. Oh. I think it's a, a gaggle of Mandalorians or a murder of Mandalorians. A murder of Mandalorians, yes. No, what was it again? Well, they used the word covert. They oh, were going to have to move the right. covert at the end of the episode. Yeah, a troop of Mandalorians. Yeah. Well, not a troop, a covert. Yeah. Yeah, a gaggle. Where the Mandalorians are kind of a group and they're individuals, you know, our Mandalorian seems to have a little bit more personality and a little bit more gray area to him. So when did his parents get killed here in this flashback scene when he's being, you know, running away from this B2 super battle droid from the um, Separatists? Like, what in terms of Star Wars timeline, like, what, what okay, is going so on here? Okay, so first of all, good eye on the B2 super battle droid. <laughs> Thank you very much. Because <laughs> side eye, I don't know. I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, and that's what you're here for. Um, I think it was probably based on the actor's age 40 years ago. Right. <laughs> so that would have been kind of in the throes of the prequels, right? Uh, uh, around the time of Attack of the Clones, I sure, suppose. Sure, And they talked about this purge. So I was confused, like, why we're seeing the Separatists in terms of them being involved maybe in the purge and not the Empire. Like, the, the Emperor would have been involved in a purge of some kind you'd think but i think the purge of the mandalorian and what happened to his family mr mandalorian's family is is going to be a, a different thing 
So that's going to come. So so somebody had to have saved him then at some point, right? Because his parents got shot and he's lying there in a little uh, tornado shelter. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be a Mandalorian. It's going to be the Wizard of Oz. He's going to come up. The Great Oz has spoken. I have spoken. Um, <laughs> the Great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The Great Oz has spoken. So, so why did he go back for Baby O and break the code? Like, I mean, what was his real reason for doing that? He, he obviously risked life and limb for this little green frog. Well, because maybe the way allows for some leeway and, you know, he just felt kind of bad. Like, maybe they have something about not involving children that seemed to make him a little bit uncomfortable. What do you think? Well, I thought that he was just having flashbacks to his own, like, life and how, you know, the emperor or the empire of the separatists destroyed his life, you know, and killed his family. And he was sort of an orphan, as it were, I'm imagining. And, and so he's, he's, he's having mercy and compassion on this lesser creature, uh, a bit like a wolf taking in a little cub into its den and taking care of it, or like the <laughs> or ugly like, duckling. Or a cat befriending a ferret. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yes, yes. So Baby Yoda would be the ferret. I guess so. And the Mandalorian so. is the cat. Yep. Um, it's believable. It wasn't too heavy-handed. I thought it, it did a really nice job of, of uh, developing that over the ser- over the show. Did you believe when he was in the spaceship that he was going to go? Or was that he's going to no, stop No, no, they wouldn't have bothered to take so much time watching him launch if he wasn't going to have a second thought. That would have been a major subversion of your expectations if they had done that, right? I mean, I guess the first thing to say is coming into writing this or any story... The object is not to subvert expectations. The object is not surprise. Yeah. I think that would lead to some contrived places. The object is drama. The thing I don't understand, though, is like he goes back for baby yo. (laughs) Yeah. Baby yo. (laughs) Hashtag baby yo. Um, He goes back for baby yo. I'm not sure why all the other uh, gaggle of Mandalorians, uh, the collective, why they all get on board with this. I mean, to me, it sounds kind of like, I mean, the Mandalorian has just gone crazy by doing this, and now he's going to have half the galaxy after him, basically. Uh, And my guess is that this is going to help to kind of unravel the mystery of this little green, gooey, cooey froggy. (laughs) And I think that the Mandalorian uh, helpers, his Iron Man uh, robots, um, clearly clearly they've come around and realized there's something special about him, and they want to help him, and they're willing to sacrifice the good of the whole for that. But um, I want to talk about, you know, that 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 scene where he has because he has that awesome weapon that is like sort of a, a cattle prod slash disintegrator, but also a spying weapon where he can like listen and hear. And there's that scene where he's watching the doctor and Werner Herzog um, before he frees baby Yoda. So I want to know what kind of permit he has for that. Or did he buy it at the gun show? Right. Where does a Mandalorian buy a weapon like that? Because they actually comment on it. They're like, man, that thing is awesome. And why don't they all have the same? I mean, if they're a collective, like... Right. They're not equal, clearly. This is outrageous. It's unfair. Well, they all have different jetpacks and different weapons and stuff. I guess it's sort of a... I mean, it is a bit like Iron Man. Like, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. built a few different machines, and Jon Favreau likes to carry on his (laughs) legacy, so... It's like this is like Iron Man Part Four kind of this episode. <laughs> um, so somebody told me, you know, that Werner Herzog wants to extract this material from the baby Yoda. Like, do you think that's flesh? Do you think that's poop? 
do you think that's midichlorians? <laughs> like, can you extract midichlorians from a Yoda? I mean, I, I think that they're going to try, or they were trying. But like, it's not enough to say that you clone somebody that you also then get the midichlorians. Like, can you just clone a midichlorian? Because if you can clone any creature that has midichlorians, like, why not just clone a midichlorian then? I cannot imagine that that's going to be a plot point. It has to be because they they said they want the material from it, and and so there's something about this creature that they're trying to use for some weapon. There's possibility technology. that they just don't know what they're doing. So my question then is, who is behind this? Because they said that uh, they had to get it for his person. So there's somebody that's controlling them, that's telling them to do this. Now I have a theory on this. Do tell. Well, I'll wait to the end, I guess, to lead to, oh. to get that. Yeah. I'll kind of wait to the end because I, that, I that's hope, a big spoiler if it's true. I hope your theory is really, really wacky because then the next episode, I'm definitely going to win the predictions. <laughs> well, you might. You might. Um, but yeah, stay tuned here to the end because we are going to make our predictions here in just a minute or two. But um, so you had a question about the Mandalorian helmets. A very practical one. I mean, I'm a fairly practical person. I want to know how they eat because I haven't seen a single one of them eat this entire time. And how do they brush their teeth? Well, he does go into a bar, right? And they seem to recognize him. So presumably he went to the bar before or, you know, has been around. So there has to be some way of ingesting nutrition, right? He might just like to hang out. But then it becomes a big point that he's never taken his helmet off. It reminds me of this time I went out for Halloween with this huge mask on and I was sipping um, some drinks through a very, very long straw. Maybe that is his way. Maybe he has to have everything that's, in the form of a smoothie. See, that's the code. That's the, that's the way. It's just... <laughs> uh, a matcha green powder wheatgrass smoothie is the only through way. Through a straw. Yes. Like that, that is their way. That's Mandalorian uh, nutrition in a nutshell. Yep. I see. No, it's I just see. their way of life. That's that's what they're there for. Uh, what rating would you give this episode, episode three? Where we're starting our best car rating. Actually, let's start with episode with chapters one and and two. So, uh, best car rating on a scale of ten. You know, ten being the purest best car. Uh, what would you give for the chapter one of the Mandalorian? One. Um, I was a little bit bored. I'll be honest. Um, okay. I'd say like a six, maybe. Right. Like I knew something big was coming, but in the meantime, you had to like sit through it. I give chapter one an eight out of ten, I think. What? You're being generous. It set things up really well. I think there's a lot to do now. Yeah, but independently, it was kind right. of a slog. Well, how about chapter two? The one with the Jawas and the Shiga egg. Um, I like that it didn't take itself as seriously. Um, but again, like another six. Really? I'd yeah. give that one a four. I thought that that one was just, just okay. Um, a little boring because it, it didn't really have a lot in terms of plot and character development. It felt like a... I feel like a pit stop on the way towards the plot developing. So that's why they made up in episode three with all the character development. Right. Yeah, they definitely held it out on us. I would I would give uh, chapter three, I would say I'd give it an eight. I would give it an eight as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to giving a 10 to one of these episodes, but I don't dole those out. Uh, Best car <laughs> steel is too valuable. All right. So you have 20 seconds now, Gemma. Do you want to go first or should I go first? You go, uh, first. You go first. I go first. You know, um, you go first because I think whatever I say, you'll just copy me. Oh, that's very likely. Okay. So I got 20 seconds here until the ding to give my prediction on chapter four, on chapter four of the Mandalorian. Okay. So here we go. 
So I think that in chapter four, we're really going to find out something about why they wanted Baby Yoda. Um, and so what I think is going to happen is that we're going to find out that Snoke is actually behind all of this. We know that the First Order is developing, and we're going to find that Snoke himself is going to be in an Andy circus. Stop. So that's my prediction. Okay, go ahead, Gemma. I think we're traveling to new worlds. I think that maybe someone is going to lose a helmet. And I think that we will probably be introduced to some more characters. So I think the story is about to get wider. Way wider. Wow, you're really playing it fast and loose with the term speculation. I think we're going to meet more characters. I mean, seriously, come on. Like, I give a very specific theory like that we're going to meet Snoke in episode four and that he's gonna be responsible for trying to capture baby yoda I... that is falsifiable your your prediction like i mean baby yoda could make that prediction and he can't even talk <laughs> so. this is a serious prediction i think we're going off world i think there'll be more characters i think we're gonna hear more about like you know lost helmets and the Gemma, consequences he's in, a, he's in a spaceship at the end of chapter three traveling to another world i am cautious in my mindless useless speculation I caution that against not fair. Enough. And that's why I'm going to win next week. All right. Well, look forward to your next episode uh, coming out next weekend. And stay tuned to FakingStarWars.net for daily comedy, parody, satire, um, and all the rest of it. So thanks for listening, everybody. This is myself, Storm Duper, and... Gemma the Hutt. All right. We'll see you next week. 